Great. Heart is a glue Shoots up to the stony ground But there's no room No space to rent in this town You're out of love And the reason that you have to care The traffic is stuck And you're not moving anywhere Take you out of this place Somewhere you could land I have in return for grace So get up today Well, hey, there's our cue. It's a beautiful day on a Tuesday night. Hi, this is Dan Miller, your host of our weekly call here, our brainstorming session on 48days.net. Welcome in to what will be another great call, I'm sure. Every Tuesday night, we... Tap somebody on the shoulder and say, hey, let's talk. Let's talk about what you've done. So we bring these uh, real-life stories to bear here, real-life people in the 48days.net community who are doing extraordinary things. A lot of them to choose from. You've heard from a lot of them here already. Golly, lots of people. I hate to start mentioning names. Last week it was Debbie Dearman. We've had Kamanzi Constable on, uh, Kent Julian. We've had a whole bunch of people on here, and we'll continue to do so. Tonight, our guest is Aaron Kerr. Aaron, welcome in. Thank you very much. Hey, we're delighted to have you. Uh, I know there are a couple particular things in your own path that people are extremely interested in, and we're going to get to those in just a minute here. Uh, You've got what is perhaps the most viewed post in the 48days.net community. Now, I, I need to check that, but it, it certainly has to be in the top couple, and I'll tell people why here in just a minute. So let's back up a little bit so we get to know a little bit about you. You know, when, when we have people on here, you know, most people in the 48days.net community are working traditional jobs, and they're doing things on the side. Now, some of those things on the side grow dramatically, and people make the transition. Uh, that's an okay goal doesn't have to be the goal for everybody. But now tell us about what you do in your real job and how you started into this little sideline venture that you're doing. Okay. Well, yeah, I, um, I've pretty much worked in the, the IT field since I graduated from college about 15 years ago. And so I uh, work for a, a pretty good-sized company uh, here in Grand Rapids and uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan. And uh, so I, I work full-time. I've been at my company for just about a year now. Uh, it's nice that it's only a mile and a half from home, so I go home most days for lunch and I uh, get to see my family who's there. Um, I've got just kind of technology background, have done a lot with WordPress, helping people with websites, you know, have kind of been involved in, um, you know, the, the 48 Days community for a little while and uh, have a passion for writing, but also just really love publishing. And so when my daughters started to uh, do a lot of reading on the Kindle, when they kind of started in on some classic reading, including the Anne of Green Gables series, I kind of took a look at what was available and um, 
just wanted to improve on it a little bit so that I could have something that, you know, worked better and that had fewer errors and was easier to read. So that's really how I got started with this. All right. Now, let's uh, pause just a minute because we're going to come back to that as one of the major focus we have for tonight's discussion. You said you come home with your family. Tell us a little bit about your family makeup. Well, my wife and I have been married um, 14 years. We have four daughters who are 10, 8, 6, and 3, and then we welcomed our first boy to the family uh, six months ago tomorrow. And so um, wow. my wife uh, somehow has the energy to homeschool them, so they are all home during the day. So I come home to a, a very full and often kind of loud household. So for me, you know, finding a job that was close to home was one of the the uh, the first requirements when I was, you know, job searching. So. Wow. Callie, well, you've got a long road ahead of raising children. You know, <laughs> yep, certainly we, do. We, often, we have to look at the seasons in our lives. You know, sometimes people look at, you know, what Mike Hyatt or Dave Ramsey are doing, somebody like that, and they think, oh, man, you know, I want to do that. Well, they're probably in a different season of life. Um, I certainly didn't do the things that I do now, the quantity of work that I do now when my children are small. It's a different season. So it sounds like you've got you know, things balanced there. You've got a traditional job, but you've got this interesting little side thing that you're doing. Now, you came to Right to the Bank back in June of 2010. So at that point, you were getting more serious about your writing. What had you done up to that point, Aaron? Well, I'd, we had recently moved uh, to Grand Rapids at the start of 2010, and I, um, you know, I when I was in college, I double majored in computer science, which I've traditionally worked in since I, you know, got out of school. But also, um, English was my other major, and I've, I've just loved literature and, um, you know, writing. I, I don't seem to find as much time as I'd like to write, but it is still really a passion of mine, and so I. Um, you know, I'd been interested in uh, Dave Ramsey and had heard your name quite a few times and, you know, started reading some of your books and, um, you know, Right to the Bank just seemed like a way to, um, you know, really understand a little bit more about kind of the, the business of writing and so, um, you know, and just how to, to promote and kind of take your book to an audience. And so that was kind of really what drew me there is just to kind of start understanding, you know, some of those things. Okay. And then... The the one thing that every, has gotten everybody's attention is what you did in 2013 when yep. you put together, you said your little girls were reading stories like Anne of Green Gables. You wanted to put together something that was done better than that. Now, explain to our listeners tonight. Now, incidentally, if you're listening, you know, if you're in the over there in the chat room or if you're online with us, um, Alan Jackson is over there in the chat room, ready to talk to you there. You can put in a question if you want to there. We'll see those come in or in the other online format as well, the Tuesday night teleseminars. You can put it in there. We'll see those come in. we got a lot of interesting questions already coming in, Aaron. We'll get to those here in a little bit. But explain to people the fact that your first book, where you had amazing success, was not something that you wrote. It came out of the public domain. Explain to people what the public domain is for books. 
Sure. So essentially, uh, when a user uh, or when an author publishes a book, um, of course they place that under copyright. There's a you know a period that copyright runs, and then um, you know the rules kind of vary some by by country. But in the United States, the the current cutoff is 1922. So books that were published before 1922 have essentially their copyrights have expired, and so there's no longer any uh, rights held by the authors on those texts. And so, um, you know, people are free to take those texts and republish them, um, you know, kind of how they see fit. And so it's, you know, it's kind of like an expiration period for the author's rights, and it kind of opens it up for broader, for broader general use. You know, I, I get so excited when we talk about that. I have, I have threatened my team for years now that at some point I'm going to take an entire year and do nothing but just comb through works in the public domain and bring those back to life. And when we think about success principles or, or stories like you are working on here, I mean, there's no time date on those. They don't expire. The principles are the same. The stories are the same. And there's so much, there's such a rich wealth of information that is in the public domain uh, we've done a few little things, but not to the scope that you've done it. But I love looking at that and thinking about the things that are there. And I want you to tell us about some of the things that you've done. But now let's get right to the one that has gotten you such a great amount of attention. That is your compilation of the Anna of the Green Gables series. Tell us about how you brought that together, how you found those resources, how much work you did to improve them, and how you then launched that on Amazon. Sure. Well, the... Um I think there are right around 10 novels altogether that have Anne of Green Gables or, you know, either as feature or, you know, have her as part. Um, and so um, they, unfortunately, two of those were published. You know, so uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery is the author, and two of those were published later in her life after 1922. And so I can't include those. They're not in the public domain yet. Um, unfortunately, they, as you know, at least last I knew, they haven't made those two available for Kindle yet. But, you know, I really um, took the other collections. And um, there are a number of places online. The primary source that I use is a, a source called Project Gutenberg. And it's essentially a group of people and volunteers who take old books uh, and they will scan the books into a computer with a scanning type system so that they can get plain text then they'll go back and, you know, that process isn't perfect for scanning. And so they will then do a cleanup process to check errors. And so the goal, their goal is to release these uh, free public texts that are in the public domain that can easily be used and read by people. So really all, I think everything that I pulled for Anne of Green Gables uh, came from Project Gutenberg. And so that was kind of the initial step. Um, in order to prepare for Kindle formatting, you know, there is uh, there's a, a kind of a computer language called HTML that is essentially what websites are created in, and it's it, kind of a very simple version of it is what is used to make Kindle books. And I've got a decent amount of you know web development background, and so I just had some processes that I uh, did where I would you know clean up the text so it was ready to be fed into, a, you know, this Kindle conversion process. I would compile, you know, bring all those texts into a single file. And then 
um, Amazon, you know, makes available a couple free tools where you can essentially feed in this file along with a little bit of information and it will give you this finished format uh, that then you upload to KDP, which is what Amazon calls their, essentially their self-publishing uh, kind of division. It stands for Kindle Direct Publishing. Um, I didn't track it exactly. I would guess the actual probably creation time of putting the whole Anne of Green Gables uh, collection together, you know, so that it could be released on Amazon, I probably put in maybe 15 hours would be my, my guess as far as setting that up. All right. Now, you mentioned that in the original version or what your daughters were reading, you know, there were spelling errors and things like that. Now, how much liberty can you take in material that is in the public domain when you start revising, updating, correcting, and you're still going to leave the original author's name intact? How much leeway do you have there? Well, I try not to make any, um, you know, I guess when I'm doing my text, I try not to do any editorial, you know, kind of corrections. Most of what, you know, I would be correcting would be um, misspellings. There are times when, you know, there might be an older spelling of a word that, you know, we don't use it, the older spelling now. So in places where that makes sense, I've kind of updated for the, you know, the same word, just a modern spelling. Um, and it, it really, there tend to be some some patterns of errors that you can find when that scanning process happens. You might see, you know, the same type of little error. Um, you know, maybe a couple characters, if they're together, get interpreted as the wrong thing. And so, you know, I kind of learned how to do some searching and kind of quick replacing. So I'm really not changing the text much. I'm just trying to, you know, kind of clean up any leftover errors. I mean, Project Gutenberg does a great job, but there are you know, literally thousands of pages in the Anne of Green Gables series, and so, um, you know, they, they can't deliver it perfectly. And I'm, I'm sure my versions aren't perfect, but I, I think I've taken them, you know, another step and been able to, to clean up some problems. All right. So you put that together in a pretty comprehensive work. Um, yep. How many pages, like how many pages is in that compilation? Uh, I think I estimate it a little... I would say probably like 3,200, 3,400 if it was in a typical paperback. Um, I've included a couple other novels that were done by uh, Lucy Maud Montgomery. And then I also, uh, she wrote many short stories over the years. And so my current collection has somewhere around 130 short stories. And so, uh, yeah, it's, wow. a, you know, it's a pretty hefty, um, <laughs> you know, volume. I sold it for 99 cents for quite a while. So, you know, what, just one of the great things about Kindle is that it allows you to, uh, you know, sell at a lower cost something that, you know, I mean, if somebody went to a bookstore, to a Barnes & Noble and tried to buy all those books and paperback, you can imagine what they'd pay, and then they have to, you know, store them and haul them around, and the Kindle format is just, um, you know, really perfect for condensing that, and, you know, especially with kind of collections, how I do, it lets you make a very appealing offer to a to potential reader where they can, you know, here's 99 cents or a couple bucks and you get all these books in an easy-to-use format. And that was really kind of the appeal I was aiming for. Okay. Well, you obviously uh, hit it right there. Now, walk <laughs> us through that time then. Back in February 4th, 2013, you put that collection up, not knowing exactly. I mean, what were your anticipated, what were your expectations? to put that up on Amazon. Obviously, you did it 
to have something better for your own daughters, which is sure. off the beginning of projects that we do just for people that we love. But what were your expectations for that and putting it up on Amazon? Well, years ago I had done a little bit of public domain publishing. This was before the Kindle came out. There was kind of another platform, and um, I ran into some guy online, and I he was kind of putting together a site, and he would pay me 20 bucks for each book I did, and it was just a single book. So, you know, I kind of had a little background, and so I had been interested in it, and maybe maybe back in 2011 or 2012 I had kind of looked at it with Kindle and said, I wonder if there's an opportunity here because I'd kind of, you know, messed around with the public domain stuff a little bit and I, I knew some of the things. And so I had looked then and after kind of browsing the Amazon Kindle store, I was like, wow, it's it's really crowded. There's a lot of people doing this. It just doesn't seem like there's opportunities there. So I'd kind of given it up. And then, yeah, like you said, it was really my daughter's reading that kind of drew me back into it. And so um, I really wasn't, you know, there were other examples that were fairly similar to what I released. And so I, I kind of looked at the store and I thought, oh, I think I can improve on those and add a couple things of value to kind of differentiate them. And I was thinking, you know, if, if we could generate, you know, sales and add a couple hundred bucks a month to our budget, that would make a difference for us. That would make it worthwhile and, you know, with, with a growing family and being one income, you know, every little bit helps. And so that was really my I mean, if I had grown to the point where we were getting, you know, a few hundred dollars a month, I would have considered that a success. All right. So you put that up February 4th, 2013. That's just last year. Yep. And then tell us about that interesting night that you had. Yep. So I uh, I put it up and I, I started getting, you know, just one or two sales a day, Um Typically on Amazon, you don't see much in sales until you get your first review, and so um, you know it, it took a few days, and I was getting a few sales, and then I got you know first review, and it was very positive, and I think I had let a couple people know about it. I'm sure I'd posted it on just my personal Facebook, and probably posted it in the you know 48days.net site, and so it had started to grow, and I was getting you know 10 sales a day, and then 20 sales a day, and I'm in selling for 99 cents. I'm earning. 35% of each. So at this point, I was earning 35 cents per sale. And, you know, so I was getting up to a place where it was a few bucks every day. And, um, you know, I thought it was good. And then uh, there was a week in late February where it was, uh, you know, 30 a day. And then I think on a Friday, I sold 50 a day, 50 in a day. And uh, I just thought, hey, that's, this is great. It's really going well. And then uh, we had people stay with us on a Friday night. And I got up Saturday morning and just kind of happened to kind of late in the morning, we've been hanging out with guests, and I happened to hop on to KDP and look at my sales, and I think it was like 10.30 in the morning, and I'd already sold a couple hundred copies, and I was like, wow, you know, how did that happen? And so I checked back, I went in and told my wife, like, I've sold 200 copies today, I, I can't believe it, and I went back like an hour later, and I was up to like 400, and so that, you know, the day before, I think I had sold in the neighborhood of 50, and that Saturday, uh, the book sold 2,100 copies, and that was really wow. just like the start of this huge surge, including, um, you know, so it continued to, it went up and down a little bit. But um, finally, on my daughter's birthday on February 26th, um, you know, and it had climbed into the top 100 best-selling books on Kindle, which was just flooring. You know, it just amazed me. I kept asking my wife, like, is this real? Like, are we, you know, <laughs> it just it seemed wild. But uh, so on February 26th, my daughter's birthday, um, 
the book sold right around 7,400 copies in that day um, and hit the very briefly in the in the middle of the night, um, which I happened to be up um, kind of unexpectedly, it hit the number one best-selling spot on, uh, on the Kindle platform. And so I, even though it was three in the morning, I quickly grabbed the screenshot so that, you know, if it was never there again, and, uh, you know, at least I would have it and, you know, could show that it had been there. So. But you, you said that, you know, that one great day it got up to 2,100 copies, but that wasn't the all-time record for sales in a day. Yep. It climbed. So the most sales in one day, you got that number? Yeah, I think it was like 7,400. So, you know, yeah. that was, you know, then 35% of that. I mean, I looked at my wife and it's like, I think we made like $2,100 on this book today. And I have no <laughs> idea <laughs> that happened. Today, on a book that you did not even write. I mean, I, yep. I, I want people to understand, you know, the opportunities that are around us. And it doesn't require that you reinvent the wheel. You know, sometimes it's just looking at things in a new way, which obviously you did with this. So I love the process. Now, you, you mentioned that a good review you know, makes a lot of difference. And I know that a, a few days ago here you put up that you now have 454 reviews yep. on Amazon, giving it a five-star rating. Yep. And... Yeah, I mean, your your books are up there ranking up with, with novels by Nicholas Sparks and people like that. Yeah, the the reviews helped out a lot. Um, you know, another thing, I mean, I think I've sold – Amazon makes it a little tricky to get really good. You know, like if I were to ask a simple question, like I wonder how many, you know, books I've sold altogether. Amazon actually makes that a little complex to figure out. You can kind of look back. I think it's six months that they let you look back and get some good information. But if you want information over a longer period of time, it gets a little tricky. But the other day I was just trying to figure that out. And I think I've I've sold over 100,000 copies of that uh, collection now. But one of the nice things I've also been able to do is I'm able to make it free on Amazon from time to time. And I've given over uh, or given away well over 100,000 copies of it, you know, in addition. And Wow, that really helps with reviews also because it just gives you this this huge user base of you know people who are looking at it, reading at it, you know reading and who are likely to review and it makes you realize just the size of the Amazon Kindle market when you can give away a hundred thousand and not you know you haven't scratched the surface of the people who have Kindles out there who would like to read you know something like that, yeah. Okay, so that continues to rock for you. I mean, that's there. Again, one of those things that's timeless. You've done that. Now, the interesting thing is, as opposed to, you know, 48 Days to the Work You Love, I mean, obviously that is not in the public domain. You can't take that and just republish it. But the interesting thing is the fact that you took that and created that compilation does not take it out of the public domain. Explain how that can be possible what that means essentially is anybody else can do what you did, and they could still do that. Correct? Yes, correct. So um, I certainly have some competitors. I mean, there's they've sprung up quite a few. I mean, I think there were one or two similar collections uh, when I published, and you know, after the success of my book, and you know, it's been talked about on the internet in a couple of places. Um, you know, I think there are probably. 15 to 20, you know, competitors now. And, uh, you know, so that text, yeah, you know, when I publish it, um, you know, if I write 
something like a, an introduction or, you know, something like that. If I, I write something and go with it, that is my work. But as far as the texts, yeah, nothing that I've done affects them or takes them out of the public domain or makes it so that, you know, they're any less usable or available for anyone else, which is a pretty great, you know, business model in that it, you know, it's a it's a shared resource. And it's really, you know, it's not about being the first. It's just about figuring out, um, how to offer a good product and how to offer you know how to differentiate yourself among competitors and say oh here's here's something special you know about my collection that other collections don't have well that's one of those things too you know people look at the you know the frisbee and they think well geez you know i could have thought of that yeah what you yeah. didn't take action on that idea you know and it comes down to that you know it's yeah. often not rocket science but it's still the person who not even the person who has the idea, but the person who takes action, the person who executes. And we see that again and again and again. So the information was there for anybody, been there since 1922, available for the taking. You put it together in 2013 and have reaped the rewards of taking action and put it out there. Now, in your note, you said that you created then, I don't know if that was the first one or, or kind of the beginning of Timeless Reads, where you yep. now, is your byline there is discovering and publishing great books. So people can go to timelessreads.com. That's your site. Tell us about some of the things you're doing there. Yeah, so I, um, after I, you know, I had this this publication, um, you know, sales subsided some over time, although they've always, you know, they've continued to, to sell well, and but there's some up and down. And so I, I started looking at other opportunities. And so... Um, there was a, a a book called uh, Twelve Years a Slave that probably two and a half years ago really wasn't that well known, but I kind of discovered it as I was looking at public domain books, um, read it, and thought, man, this is a great book that not many people have heard. And I you know I checked on the Amazon store, and even though the book is public domain, it was written in the 1800s. Um, there wasn't a you know a didn't really seem to be that prominent on Kindle. I couldn't find people who were really publishing it. And so um, I published it, and then I eventually created a, a collection of six um, kind of American slave narratives that features this 12 Years a Slave. And so while I'm creating this collection, what I didn't realize was that the book um, was being made into a movie that would, you know, um, you know, <laughs> have big, big-name actors and would go on to win uh, Best Picture for last year. And so... Um, you know, I, I had this collection all of a sudden that as the movie uh, came out, did well, and then won Best Picture, this collection just saw huge sales. I didn't get, you know, as high as Anna Green Gables, but certainly, you know, did very well with that one. And then um, my most recent publication that I did in, I believe, February of this year that I released was a Beatrix Potter, where I took a collection of... I think it's 29 of her stories, and I did full illustrations. You know, all of her illustrations that are in her book uh, also go into the public domain since they were published before 1922. And so I released a rather large Kindle collection. It's a lot bigger of a file size because it has all these somewhere in the neighborhood of 650 illustrations. Um, mm -hmm. But I, you know, published that as well and uh, have done very well in the U.S. and then in the UK, it sold really well. I think uh, the Beatrix Potter collection hit number two in the UK store. 
And so, yeah, I guess Timeless Reads was just me kind of figuring out, okay, this wasn't, you know, maybe I won't see that same success I had with Ann over and over, but I've been able to have, you know, continued success and there are more opportunities there. So Timeless Reads was just kind of a way to give a name, you know, and a kind of a business name and website to what I'm doing. And uh, I certainly plan to, to do some more publishing there as well. So. You know, frankly, I'm, a, I'm surprised you were able to get TimelessReads.com. It seems like that would be a really great domain that you just yeah. snatched not that long ago. Yeah, my wife and I did a good bit of brainstorming, and my wife is kind of like my silent business partner in that I, I take her certain ideas, and she'll say, oh, that's great, or she'll say, like, really? That's the best you've got? And so um, a couple of my ideas weren't as good, and uh, when she, when I told her that, when she said, oh, that's a great one, and uh, so I guess that, that worked out. She's certainly uh, well, done a lot of help in that kind of thing. I really like that. Timeless reads. Yeah, I love it. It's so fitting for what you're doing. Now, one of the things that I love about what you're doing, Aaron, is we talk a lot in the 48 Days community about the distinction between linear and residual income. Linear being simply you do something once and you get paid once. Most people are used to that, even physicians, attorneys, dentists, engineers. That's what they're used to. What we look for is how can you create residual income? What can you do once and get paid 10,000 times? What you are describing here tonight is a great example of exactly that. You did things, you put in the effort once, now it's up, and it'll continue to create income for a very indefinite future because there's nothing time-sensitive about the materials. They can just go on and on. So as you build your catalog of books that you've got there, potentially your income can go up while you and your five kids are sitting on a beach somewhere. What do you have? What What do you have in the the works for 2015? I mean, what What are some of the things that you're hoping to add to this, or or are are you going to really be aggressive about ramping up the content here, or are you kind of content with what you have now? Yeah, well, I'll just I'll just comment real quickly on what you said as far as you know linear kind of income. Most of what I had done really up to this point. I mean, I I've, I've been an entrepreneur you know, since I got out of college. I've always had something going on, on the side, but it was always linear type things. And, um, you know, it was web development or stuff where I had to be putting in my time to get paid. And there were things I liked about it, but, um, you know, when you talk in 48 Days, you know, the book about designing kind of a life around, or, you know, deciding on the life that you want and then trying to find work that fits that, I kind of had taken a look you know, at what I was doing a couple of years ago and just said, you know, this doesn't really fit my model. I'm spending all this time outside of work to do stuff. And I really said, I want something that I'll do once that I can do on my schedule. And, um, you know, th- there's just so much on kind of the Internet about kind of building a platform and a following. And those are great things. And, you know, that's the kind of thing I will probably pursue in the future because I have some interest in writing. But, like, this was – kind of like an anti-platform almost, like it didn't require me to be known in order to earn money. I just basically took a demand, you know, people already knew Lucy Maud Montgomery, so if I gave, you know, them access to her, they didn't really have to know who I was, you know, and I didn't have to pour my time into becoming known and getting people's attention. Um, So that's 
why this has worked, you know, so well for me and why I've been able to stop doing a lot of this other side income. Um, but you I know, should say, I guess. Really, that's a really important point, Aaron, because yeah. we talk so much about building a platform, building an audience, yep. and how you do that. You start with a blog, and you hope to get that built up, or you hope to get you know, Facebook likes on the things that you're yep. doing. But what you're talking about is you used the brand awareness that was already there and yep. simply coattailed on that. I mean, that's a beautiful example of jump, jumping, leapfrogging into this arena where you don't have to take the time to very, very slowly and calculated build your own platform. You know, to have a book that you launch in February and within, you know, 30 days have it be number one on Kindle, um, that's every author's dream to do that. Yeah. But it's a great way to do it. So you're going yeah, to tell us about I think most of the people that we kind of think about as like overnight success authors, you know, their book just exploded. It's just, you know, we don't know about all the hard work that went into, you know, the, the months and years that they toiled to get it noticed. And so, yeah, this, you know, there's, you know, I want to do some of my own writing, so I'm sure I'll, I'll deal with that hill, you know, and struggle some. But, yeah, this was really just something that, um, you know, just kind of I felt like the opportunity was there. Like one other quick note I'll mention, you know, when I remember being at um, Right to the Bank and you talked, I think you called it a thump factor. Or basically, you kind of took your your 48 days material and you, you know, dropped it on the floor. And, you know, you said you kind of put it in that binder so that it had some weight and size so, you know, that people could see, oh, there's something to this, you know, like just to make it seem like kind of a package or an offering. And I think one of the simple things that um, made the Anne of Green Gables series um, really take off for me for Kindle is that I was kind of looking around and saying, okay, what do I add to this Kindle that makes it gives it more like, oh, I'm getting more. And um, there's another site on the Internet where people take public domain books and they record them as audiobooks and then they release those audiobooks totally copyright free they're free for anyone to download it's project librivox or maybe it's maybe it's just librivox um so one of the things i did with the anna green gables is i created um kind of really easy links because a lot of people don't know that you can download the books the audiobooks for free so i put links to all those in my kindle book and i just said hey you know if you get this kindle book i've included you know free access to audiobooks and so you know as my book was kind of taken off you know this this collection was taking off a lot of people were sharing on twitter you know it's only 99 cents and you get all the audiobooks too and so it was really just a <laughs> combining a couple free things together in a way that um you know I, i'm not sure if anyone had been really doing that with public domain stuff now i see it a lot or you know, had been doing it then i see it a lot now but it was just that little combination of how do you make the offer better for the buyer so mm. now you said that you started off at 99 cents you implied that maybe you've changed that what is it now uh, so my Anne of Green Gables is currently a uh, dollar ninety nine, and essentially um, Kindle. I publish on like all the platforms now. Kindle is the only one that imposes a um, a size limit where they say if your book is above a certain size, you have to charge a higher price. And so um, my that kind of break point is what, three megabytes for a Kindle file. So I was Above that, um, or initially my book was below that, and then at some point I, 
I added um, some extra things to the book and it put it above that, so I had to price it at a buck ninety-nine. But I was still selling the book on iTunes for ninety-nine cents, and then Amazon just price matched, so they said, "Oh, you know, iTunes is selling it for ninety-nine cents, so we'll match that price." So then it stayed at ninety-nine cents for a long time. Um, I think Amazon has maybe changed their price matching a little bit, so it's it's gone up to buck ninety-nine. I'm going to try to do a little bit more work and see if I can get the file size down just a little bit so I can get back to that ninety-nine cents. Um, Are you really? One of those no. things about. We, we yeah, I'd like to be able to, um, you know, just there's like I've I've included a few illustrations, and I think if I you know kind of tweak the illustrations, I'd I'd like to get back down to that 99 cent point just to make it you know as affordable as possible. So. Well, it, it, Amazon, you know, allows that 99 cents to 9.99 in that space, yep. and people do a lot of experimenting there. And with the success that you've had, now what happens a lot of times that people have initial success is they raise it to you know, three ninety nine or four ninety nine. But your desire, yep. you think it works to your advantage just to keep it as low as possible? Well, what Amazon so Amazon, you know, kinda is ninety nine is the is the lowest you can price. If you price between two ninety nine and nine ninety nine on Amazon, they will let you earn a seventy percent royalty. So that's why you know see a lot of um, you know publisher or you know authors that will try to get to that it's 2.99, you know, because then they can make more money. The public domain for Kindle is only eligible for the 35 percent. Uh, so even if I priced it at, you know, 2.99 or 3.99, I'll only earn 35 percent. Um, so I think uh-huh. with this type of book, I, I think it's really there's enough competition and price, you know, is a factor. I mean, I've you know I've got a couple competing books, or a couple competing collections that are selling at 99 cents and. You know, I've got more content, and I've added the short stories and some things that that they don't have. But I, it still strikes me as a fairly price motivated, um, you know, area. So I, I think I'll try to get it back down to ninety nine. I may I may kind of you know experiment back and forth a little bit. I did not know that distinction about public domain that they forced you to stay in that commission category. I didn't know that. Huh? Yeah. Okay. Now this is now, one little. Thing I learned, so they they force you to stay in 35%. But one benefit of being in the 35% is that if Amazon price matches against another competitor, they will continue to pay you your 35% based on your list price. So during that period that Amazon, you know, it wasn't right when my book came out, but like probably three months after it came out, I, I made that switch where I had, you know, I added more content, so I went to buck 99. But then they price matched Amazon at nine, or you know, they price matched iTunes at 99 cents. So for over a year, people were buying at 99 cents, but Amazon was paying me 35% of my list price, which was a buck 99. So I was making essentially, I was making 70 cents per 99 cent sale. So that you know definitely helps my earnings while that was in place. So interesting. Yeah, again, there's so much. So much to learn, and we have some questions that deal with this, too, and I'm going to go to those in just a minute. So, again, if you're listening and you've got a question, just pop it in there in the online chat room with Alan Jackson there at 48days.net or in the uh, Tuesday night teleseminar place. Either of those I see come in, and we're getting some questions in there that I want to go to. Now, the, the, the post on 48days.net, they got so much traffic, and at this point has been viewed 
3,672 times. Again, I don't track them all, but that's a pretty high number because they rotate down so quickly, as you know. But yours just stays alive because people keep coming back to this as an example. And again, you you get it a great title. The title is, if you want to find it quickly on 48days.net, is a little Kindle book that earned me $29,000 in five months. I mean, what a great, engaging title. So that stays alive there. Now, in your note to us, you, you said that now having these public domain books up there, in the last two years, you have done over $200,000 in sales. Um, yeah. So congrats, congratulations on that. I mean, way to yeah, rock. And, and, and just an unusual business space here. Again, tell us a little bit about what you have planned for 2015. Then we're going to switch to some questions that people are putting in. Well, I um, am working on a, a Christmas collection that will feature um, some, you know, will feature kind of the Christmas Carol as its um, kind of title book, but I'm going to include several other Christmas books, and I'm also planning to just add the Christmas book that I wrote myself um, a couple Christmases ago. And um, my daughters also really love the Little Women series, and so I've, I'm working on a collection uh, of Louisa May Alcott that has um, you know, those books plus some of her others. And so, yeah, I definitely have plans to to publish more because, as you said, um, you know, each new book brings its own sales, but it also it it brings cross, you know, kind of pollination to the other books. Whenever I release a new book, I see all of my books across the board have little spikes in sales. And so I think, that, you know, the more I can release, the better, obviously. Yeah. Well, one of the things that you've done, too, that you've been a stellar example of in the 48days.net community is that of giving freely. You're constantly involved in the discussions going on, sharing freely everything that you've done, nothing held back. You already said you've given away over 100,000 copies of the Anne of Green Gables series. I saw that just recently you gave away a couple copies of Chris Gilbert's new book, The Happiness of Pursuit. I mean, I think that's a significant point to recognize. You know, sometimes people come into this arena, their first entrepreneurial endeavor or whatever, and they hold close to their chest what they just created, and then they say, I'll tell the world, you know, give me money and I'll see you what's here. I'll show you what's here. Well, you know, sometimes we got to prime the pump a little bit. Uh, we've certainly been served well by giving and giving and giving, and you're a great example of that, Aaron, as well, to, to just give and serve and communicate well with people who are asking the questions, and I know you see the value of that and carry me forward. Well, let's go to – I've got some questions here. Oh, this is interesting. One, one that I really wanted to ask you as well, but Alan Jackson says, Aaron, do you see yourself more as a writer, an entrepreneur, or a promoter of great literature? Well, um, I guess I feel like I, I – definitely have an entrepreneur spirit um and i you know so i guess my answer is going to be all three i mean i would i would love you know my my longer term career goal is that i would like to earn a full-time living as a writer um you know i, I love writing and storytelling you know i guess that's probably kind of the, the closest to my heart as far as a desire um you know but i think that's being a good writer these days is being an entrepreneur and helping get your work in front of other people. And so I think that's part of it. Um, you know, I love doing the public domain work. I find it interesting and, you know, I've, 
I've gotten some great feedback, not just reviews, but you know, people will email me through the site, and so I really enjoy that. I, I guess I ultimately see the public domain publishing as one stream of income that might help me make a transition to full-time writing. Does your success in republishing works in the public domain, does that, does that fuel your desire to write your own original works? I mean, this is, some people would see, you know, would say, well, you're, you know, you're not just, you're not really writing. You're not really an author. You're, you are just an entrepreneur. But does that fuel your own desire to write, or you just get a lot of gratification out of doing the public domain works that you're doing? It, it definitely fuels my desire to write. And, you know, one of the other things that it has done is it has um, really taught me how the different ebook publishing platforms work. Um, you know, I sell on Amazon, iTunes. Barnes and Noble and the Google Play Store, and so I think a lot of authors who probably write well and whose people would love to, you know, read their books, go in, you know, try to self-publish, and they don't really understand the options in the marketplace and how, to, you know, how to use these different platforms. And so, um, you know, part of what I do is certainly income and it's enjoyment, but it's also, you know, I want to know those four platforms as well as anyone so that, you know, when I when it's time to, you know, I'm going to release something and I, I want to know how it works and how to promote on these different areas, you know, I feel like this is all practice for that and will help me, you know, kind of know the paths and what works. Now, with what you've done, you obviously see the potential. I mean, it's just a matter of um, ramping up what you already have in place. I mean, it, the potential for replacing your income. You know, is yep. that a desire of yours at some point to switch totally to this, spend time with your five children and reproduce yeah. or write? Yeah, I'd love to, um, you know, kind of get to this to the place where it was more, you know, stable. I mean, so, you know, I've just been, you know, busier. I haven't, I haven't over the last year and a half consistently put in time every week to, to grow my collection, but... Um, you know, I've taken what I understand and, you know, I've I've had months where my Kindle publishing has earned me twice what I earned at my, you know, full-time job. <laughs> and I've, you know, and I've never had a month where it hasn't hit at least a thousand, but it's gone up and down a lot in that range. And so, um, you know, I think really putting more time in and building a better collection um, you know, possibly getting somebody to help me with some of the, you know, kind of the, the mundane, more the mundane process of some of the editing and stuff. Um, you know, I would be thrilled to, um, you know, have that as our, our primary income source and then have some more freedom to, you know, be home with my family and, and write. Okay. Well, you certainly have a, a prototype built here. The model is built. I'm sure that in your tweaking, you'll be able to take it anywhere you want to go. Here's a question from Somi in Seattle who says, what tips and advice do you give someone who does not know anything about eBooks or how to go about it? Do you need any technical knowledge like HTML? How can I get started from scratch? In just being realistic, Aaron, I mean, what do you need as personal skills to kind of get in this space? Well, there are essentially a couple different routes that people take to really do the formatting and text. Um, 
I prefer to work directly from the HTML um, because Project Gutenberg will give you texts in HTML, and I'm and I'm comfortable with it. Um, you know, there's a little knowledge curve there, but it, it's not complex. I mean, the the parts of HTML that are that go into a Kindle book are very basic. Um, now, the other option that that people do, and I know I know that some people who produce works similar to mine that you know I've seen people do is they'll use a, a basic tool like Microsoft Word. They will, you know, pull the text in there. They'll do the formatting. You know, you got to set up your, you know, chapter headings and stuff. Um, and then Kindle has a couple really easy free tools to convert from Word into a Kindle book. You know, so you can end up with the same end product. Um, I mainly chose the HTML because I, I just thought it was a little easier path for me, and I thought I had a little more control. But um, you can take an, a, you know, a word processor like Microsoft Word. Get a couple texts from Project Gutenberg and um, start, you know, learning how to do it. And there are um, several really good books that you can get on Kindle that will tell you how to take a book from Microsoft Word to a Kindle format. And so, um, like Amazon themselves, if you search for like, um, you know, if you search the Kindle store for like KDP. Uh, Microsoft Word. I, I don't remember the exact titles, but you know, if you just look at, you know, like Word, um, you know, Microsoft yeah. Word for Kindle, there's some good free guides or a couple books that are, you know, 99 cents or buck 99 that will walk you through that process. And so, um, you know, I I don't know of like a great resource, that, you know, for doing it in HTML. It's a little more spread out. I'm kind of working on a tool that will kind of walk people through my process. Um, but you don't have to be that technical. You can start with Word and you know, learn what you need to know that way. So we're going to see another Kindle book from you on how to get your books on this format. <laughs> yeah, I'd like to do that, and I'd like I'm <laughs> kind of have an idea for that would you know for a book that would just kind of introduce people to these different Kindle publishing or not Kindle but digital publishing platforms and say you know here's the strengths and weaknesses of each. Here's how you get started. Here's the you know the gotchas. Here's how you promote on each one, and so. Sure. No shortage you know, that, of ideas. That, well, that's a really valid that's a really valid business model anyway. You know, I've told people for years that one of my personal mantras is if three people ask me the same question, I create a product to answer it. And yep. that's served me extremely well over the years. The things that I do at this point that are most profitable, teaching others about writing, teaching other people about coaching teaching other people about masterminds, those are all a result of people asking me about that to the, the degree that we finally just created products and services that address that. And those have turned into be you know, extremely profitable areas of our business for us. So certainly legit if people are asking you, gee, how'd you do that? Create <laughs> yeah. a product. Yeah. Create a product. I've, had, I've certainly had offers from people that say, you know, hey, I'll pay you this much if you, you know, coach me one on one and yeah. um <laughs> I haven't I haven't felt I had the time or could quite, you know, give somebody their money's worth yet, but I'm trying to to teach, you know, a little more of the technical side of what I do but in a way that's still very inexpensive and very accessible for people. So, Well, here we got a kind of a related question. You've, you've pretty much covered it already. Tom from uh, Pennsylvania says, in what venue do you do your publishing? I began a book on CreateSpace, and I'm looking for the best way to do what you do. In CreateSpace, yeah, so, explain to people, that's just a sis sister of Kindle, first cousin of Kindle. 
Yep. Yeah, they do. The so CreateSpace does the on-demand publishing um, of Kindle. So if you want to do a paperback version, um, so I wrote a, a Christmas book uh, called The Sneezing Christmas Tree for my daughters um, back like three years ago, I guess. Um, and I published that as a paperback on CreateSpace. If someone orders it, they print it on demand and send it out. Um, I've I have not really looked at that you know, the physical in the, for the public domain stuff as much just because there's competition there and I just, um, you know, it gets a little more intricate as far as layouts and, you know, there's a simplicity of the Kindle. So um, I would certainly say that, you know, you know, when it comes to ebooks, Amazon and this KDP system, so it's kdp.amazon.com, um, they are the king of the, the hill by a long range. Um, you know, it's certainly been financially worthwhile to put my books on the other platforms and it, it's helped me learn them um, but I think if your book isn't on if you don't start with Kindle um, you're just you know I think you're kind of taking yourself out of where the real ebook sales are so that's you know if you're going to do just one to learn um, I would sign up at kdp.amazon.com and start looking at um, you know they have some pretty helpful guides about how to get started and how to get a publication up Okay. Aaron, tell us, tell our listeners how they can follow what you're doing. Is that best place there, timelessreads.com? Yeah, so I um, love people to visit uh, timelessreads.com and, you know, feel free to, I've got, um, I think, four different collections. I've got one other um, collection that I hadn't mentioned yet tonight. It's not available on Kindle because, I won't get into the whole detail. There's some copyright that can be a little trickier on Kindle. They're a little stricter about certain things. But um, so there's four collections there, along with um, you know my book that I published, um, my Christmas book. Uh, I'm fairly active on 48days.net, and uh, if you know if I make have some new things to release and information to share, I'll post there. Also, if people go to timelessreads.com/learn. Um, I've put up just a quick, you know, very simple mailing kind of, kind of mailing list sign up there. And so if you're interested in doing maybe this kind of digital publishing, if you go there and sign up, um, if I release a book or, you know, a program to teach some of this, I'll shoot you a quick email. Otherwise, you won't hear from me. <laughs> you know, I won't, won't spam you or anything. But, you know, if people want to kind of know that, you know, kind of learn more, then uh, they can put their email in there and I'll let them know about uh, what's available. No, that's great. I just pulled that up. Again, that's timelessreads.com slash learn. Want to learn more? Hey, I just signed up. Cool. Great. <laughs> um, Aaron, got one last question, and we'll end with this. I appreciate so much your time. This is one that takes us out of the technology and just addresses something that all of us deal with at some point. Celia from Mobile says, what do you suggest to overcome the fear that I can't do it? Well, um, I was reading, I'm reading a, a really good book um, about um, digital publishing right now. And, uh, you know, they were talking about how much hard work it is. And, you know, this book has a lot of great information, but they, you know, one of the things that they, they say in this chapter is, you know, you'll never make any money public, you know, publishing public domain, so don't waste your time on that. You know, they're trying to tell you, you're going to have to work really hard and do your own writing. And, um you know, it's a good book, but I, I don't think they've probably tried to make money off um, public domain because, you know, I think I'm probably the 
example that proves that you certainly can make money off of it. Um, and so I guess you will find, you know, I mean, I convinced myself at one point that there wasn't any money to be made here. And so, um, you know, you may convince yourself or you may hear other people who will say, you know, it won't work. Um, I, it, it really just comes down to uh, making a determination to try and putting something out there. Um, you know, even though my first collection really took off, I had a lot of trials and other things I've tried as an entrepreneur that didn't work and a lot of things that taught me how to do this. And so, um, you know, I would say absolutely try. Um, you know, feel free to ask questions if you, you get stuck on something. Um, I can't guarantee, you know, what kind of sales everyone can get, but I know that there are opportunities like that in public domain publishing and other places where um, there's income to be made doing something that people will appreciate and enjoy. So I'd say definitely if you have an interest in it, um, give it a try. You know, that's, uh, that's a great response. There are always going to be naysayers and whiners and complainers, I usually add, people that say it can't be done. You know, John Meyer, I heard him once talk about people who say, you know, you, music has changed. You can't make any money in music. And he said, that simply tells you that the person saying that has not been able to make money. And yep. we hear that from artists, musicians, certainly writers. Well, you can't make any money doing that. Well, it just simply tells you that they haven't been able to, to make money. So if you want to get past the fear, talk to people like Aaron who have done it, who are doing it. So uh, those those people always encourage you and say, well, sure, it can be done, and usually yeah. share freely as Aaron, you've done tonight. Well, Aaron, any, any parting comment? We, well, I appreciate so much your time. Any last words of wisdom for people who would like to get in this space? Um, yeah, I think, you know, for people who uh, like books and, and publishing, um, this is really something worthwhile to you know, check into. And, uh, you know, I'm going to hop into the chat room and see if there's any other questions, if anyone wants to, to say hi there. But uh, otherwise, I definitely will be, you know, posting some more information on this over 48 days, um, you know, on 48days.net and would be happy to answer questions and help out. Fantastic. Well, there are other questions coming in there. Yeah, if you jump over to the chat line, that would be great. Well, Aaron, thanks again so much for your, your time tonight, for your, your willingness just to open up your bag of tricks and share so freely with everybody. We'll put this in the archives again and refer people back to it uh, time and time again who want to know about this particular space. So thanks for sharing with us tonight. It's been great having you. Great. Thanks a lot, Dan. All right. And with that, we will end our recording. I'll take us out with a little U2 music again. But thanks for being part of the gang tonight, all of you who are on the call. We appreciate you being part of the 48days.net community. Let us know what you're doing. Let us know how we can get you on one of these calls with the success that you're having. So, again, jump in there, connect with other people, use them as resources, sharing ideas. People are willing to share and eager to help. Thanks for being here. Have a great evening. The reason that you had to care, the traffic is gone. And you're not leaving anywhere, you thought you found a friend to take you out of this place, somewhere you could land. Uh -huh.
had in return for grace. A beautiful day. 